introduce the podcast. This is uh, Mornings with Morty. I guess this is probably going to be our first uh, episode that we release, second recording, but uh, the other one's in the hidden vault for the time being. Uh, I'm Matt Wiseman. I'm here with my co-host, Carl Carlson, right? That's that's what we've decided, Carl Carlson. It's, we've we, Yeah, but there's already been uh, clues laid out, maybe not so subtly. There's that's already been a security I, breach. Yeah, I mean, it's like the Trump administration over here. So <laughs> shit's locked down tight. Yeah. Um, send, send us your secrets and we'll expose them to the world. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so I'm going by Carl Carlson to hide my identity. And uh, it's, it's a play off of a, a famous developmental psychologist named Eric Erickson. And I am studying psychology, mostly working with kids, hence why maybe, you know, I don't want people to know who I am. But you just want to give them enough clues that they could find you if they put a little effort into it. Yeah, I mean, and if you do, there's a prize at the end. <laughs> so, oh. like, yeah, you know, it's, it's a treasure hunt. You do kind of look like a leprechaun, like a really big leprechaun. Yeah, I mean, if a leprechaun is like a Russian descent and like clearly is like some you know, Slovakian cabbage farmer. Yeah, I'm just saying, if you didn't cut your hair for like like at the beginning of quarantine when it was a really long time and it was getting really long and curly and you put on a green top hat, I would expect you to be harboring a pot of gold. Yeah, I mean, you know, we got our Jew gold. I was so, about to say, yeah. You know, like, I think the Jews and the leprechauns have a lot in common. We love to find commonalities with any any oppressed group, right? Like, I think Jews in the Black community have a lot in common. I think uh, Jews and Italians. Have Italians been oppressed, though? I feel like Italians, like, maybe. Is maybe, it? but, like, an Italian mom and a Jewish mom are very similar. Yeah, like, you especially in, in New York, you got the accents. They even have the same accents. You got the accents. They overfeed everybody. They're in everybody's business, you know. We, there's never a shortage of food at any Jewish event like, I feel like non-Jewish events, except Italians, I feel like other people run out of food. Like, has, does your, your family never runs out of food. I, I always came over and ate your leftovers. No, yeah. It's mean, like, you know, growing up, we had Shabbat dinner every Friday. And it was like, there'd be enough food that like, until Monday, that was all we ate was leftovers. Like breakfast, lunch, and dinner was like Shabbat dinner leftovers. So yeah. we'd be like, potato conditions for breakfast. It's a really healthy diet. <laughs> it's it's you know, like the Jewish mom's version of keto. It's, it's Perfect. Yeah, it's uh, I actually have a friend in, in New York uh, who's not Jewish, and then one of our other friends who is um, the, the not the the the, the non Jewish girl attended uh, the other the friend's shiva uh, for the grandmother, which was great. But then like went over for like the next week eating their leftovers. Like sh like it turned into we're celebrating, we're sitting shiva, but we're just you know going over for food every day. Dude, that, that, that's what it is. I mean, I remember when we did Shiva for my grandpa in Denver, you know, my aunt was like giving me food to go give to my friends in town because she was like, my fridge is too full. Like, and then, you know, I spilled salad dressing all over the Uber that I was in. Oh, so yeah. She'll mail. Yeah. And well, you know, if you're the Shimazel. Uh, so. Can we, for our, for our, our Goyish friends, our Goyam uh, listeners, can you explain what Shiva is? Cause you probably, you're more of the resident Jew, I think, than I am. I'm probably learning some of this stuff on the fly with you, but like Shiva is a cool thing. Uh, good Jewish tradition, the way like Jews process death. I don't know a lot about Jewish traditions, but I think, uh, I think our goal with this is to like help 
understand like how Judaism fits into the contemporary world and like explain some stuff. I'm learning stuff on the fly, but like, how would you explain Shiva to someone who's not familiar? Yeah, it's just, you know, it's like kind of like the beginning of the morning process. It's like this, I, I actually really enjoyed it as a tradition that, you know, you, you, you have like seven days of like, you kind of like sit and you eat and everyone in the family sits around and you talk about things and all of your friends and family visit and, and you, 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 know, you pray, but you also, you know, you remember and you talk and you're surrounded by family. And the idea is to like not let people be alone and to like have your community there with you. And I, I, I think it's really nice. There's also always really good food and there's always any someone- Jewish event. Well, yeah, on any Jewish event, there's like 12 different kinds of smoked fish, like, you know, bagels, uh, rugelach, as always, you know, Morty loves a rugelach. Oh, so, Morty loves this rugelach. Except for when Diane's there. Oh, Diane, God. And uh, also, for those of you who don't know, we're both Morty. Oh, Morty is all of us. You know, and, and in Morty, we pray. We so, are all Morty. Well, okay. So Carl here spilling salad dressing on himself. I said he's a schlamazel. So, oh, I didn't, I, I just realized I didn't pick out the Yiddish word of the week yet, but don't worry. We'll, I'll figure that one out. Uh, but uh, schlamazel, that can be our Yiddish word of the week today. So, so in, in Judaism, there's a, a classic trope, uh, Yiddish words, but the shlamil and the schlamazel. And, and the shlamil is like, uh, kind of uh, a klutz. Uh, it's another Yiddish word, but like a clumsy kind of guy who, you know, he's he's carrying a bowl of soup and he's going to spill it. And the person he spills it on is the schlazel. Schlazel is a super unlucky person, someone who just always has bad fortune with things. So this this klutz, my co-host Carl, spilling the salad dressing as a guest at somebody's shiva, like an animal, is is a bit of a shlemiel, I would say. No, it wasn't at the shiva. It was leaving the shiva, going to my friends. Oh, so you spill, you make a mess, and then you leave? My God. No, I did it in the Uber. You spilled salad dressing in the Uber? Yeah, you know, my aunt gave me, like, four huge heaping containers of food to bring to my friends, and it was, like, a tossed salad, because who doesn't love getting their salad tossed? And, <laughs> and you know, like, we get out of the Uber, and then the, the backseat of this guy's Uber is just covered in salad dressing because it was just seeping out of the container. And this guy was super nice. He was like a school teacher who did this on the side. And I have to like, I sit there like for the next 25 minutes, like my friend brings me dish soap from his apartment, just like scrubbing this dude's Uber. That's embarrassing. I'll tell you what else. Don't ever, Carl, you know, is my best friend for over, for over a decade, for over like 12 years, 13 years at this point. But I don't know if I can trust him again, because speaking of dish soap, the other day, yesterday, I was out of dishwasher pods. I had a full dishwasher. It's quick to fill up. It's, an, it's like a half size, like a hobbit size dishwasher. And it's full. And I look, I'm out of pods. I had ordered pods. They're coming Sunday. I'm not going to leave it full of dirty dishes. And we were on the phone. I said, do you think I can use dish soap in, this, uh, in a dishwasher? And Carl, my good buddy, Googled for me. What a mensch. What a nice guy. He Googled for me and said, yeah, you can use dish soap in your dishwasher. Uh, you, you can't use dish soap in the dishwasher, guys. It, it was all sudsy. I ran it with just water like four more times. Every, like this morning still, there were just suds in the bottom of my dishwasher. It looked like a bubble bath was going on in there. Don't use dish soap in your dishwasher. Okay. So in my defense, 
Google said, sure, do it. But then everything on Google is true. They used two or three drops. And we both said, it doesn't seem like it would be enough. So it's, it's not just on me. No, I put a full compartment of dish soap into my dishwasher. Um, so uh, I don't know what the Yiddish word is for idiot, um, but I'm, I'm that. I, I definitely looked like a schmuck with that. So we have a section of this podcast that we do call Shlomiel and Shemazel, where we talk about, you know, uncomfortable things that happen with our family and our everyday lives. And you had something you were going to bring up. Oh, yeah. Um, so Jewish mothers, like grandmothers, families, really, you're always trying to fix up. Everybody wants their grandchildren. I want you to meet a nice Jewish girl. We need you to get married. When are you going to have kids? And so <laughs> there, there's a lot to unpack here. But for Carl, Carl recently got engaged. Mazel tov, Carl. We're very, yeah very happy for you um and i know that carl and i are close because it was his dad and not not either of my own parents who looked at me uh and said so so you, you're coming up next it's gonna be your time soon and thank god my brother is married and just got a puppy and that is the the current grandchild in the family so i'm off the hook for a little bit but i've had my uh my grandmother of course it's always trying to fix me up with uh one of her friends, grandkids. So a while ago, she uh, emailed somebody back and forth. Their granddaughter's in New York. I'm in New York. And my grandma wanted us to get together and get drinks. But her email, she, it wasn't a very strong sell. She said, just don't expect him to take her anywhere nice. He doesn't make a lot of money. Which is not, you know, the first thing that you want to tell somebody. But I, I think that Jewish moms and grandmothers have a habit of oversharing uh, so the other day I got a text from my mom, just a random phone number, uh, someone I've never met. And it said, not a fix up, but I walk with this girl's mother. And, you know, she said her daughter's in New York. She's bored. She was looking for people to just, you know, hang out with, not as a date, but just like you guys could go on a socially distant walk or something. I said, I don't think the middle of a pandemic is the best time for me to be meeting strangers. To be fair, I have gone on some dates, so I guess that's not so different, but it just felt a little bit off. And as my mother's explaining to me how she knows this person, she's like, oh, we, we walk the dogs together. Um, she's explaining where she went to high school, uh, giving, you know, all the really important details that everybody cares about and mentions that. Uh, she went to two different colleges. I think she was asked to leave one. I think she had some problems with anorexia. I don't know, but she works in New York. I said, it is fascinating how you decide what piece of information to share. Like, I've never met this girl before. I'm sure she doesn't want strangers just knowing that she's anorexic. Like that's, you know, I don't want that to be the first thing somebody knows about me. But also that means that her mother offered up this information to my mom. Like, that wouldn't come from anywhere else. Like, like this is like the, such a Jewish mom thing to just like disclose all of this information that like, you just, you don't want out or like, you don't really feel ready to know about someone yet. And like, you know, that's like that girl's very personal story. And now like, you're going to go in and it's like, Oh, don't worry. I know everything. We're good. 
we're good. Yeah, like what what an introduction that would be. Oh, hey, I heard you uh, struggled with anorexia back in college. The good news is my best friend's fiance actually works with people with eating disorders. So if you need someone to reach out to, I got the hookup. Right. It's like, hey, you want to maybe we just shouldn't go out for dinner. But Who's going on dinner on a first date anyway? And not even that this would be a date. Like I was told this is just a friend, not a not a fix uh, up. Right. That's a very Jewish mom way of saying here's a fix up. I got a date for you. And like, like she's expecting you to be married in the next six months. It's like, it's like Jewish moms are masters of reverse psychology. Well, you know, all of the famous psychologists and there's, this is actually really true are Jewish. Famous or infamous? You know, is, is being infamous really different than being famous? That's another conversation, but all of these, you know, foundational psychologists are Jewish and they all blame everything on their mothers. So their mothers are psychologists because what Jewish mom doesn't take credit for their kids' abilities or, or accomplishments? I don't know. Does your mother take credit for all of your accomplishments? Absolutely, every day. If this podcast becomes really popular, my mother's going to sit there going, oh, my God, look what I did. I made this sunny, made this podcast. I did this. To say you're nothing without me. And she does all the time. Wow. And in a way, that's true. We do. I mean, we, we have a lot of great content from from both of our, our parents. Um, what what was your conversation with your mom? Blamed you for something? And, and then she called. Oh, yeah. No, no. Well. You know, my mom calls me and she goes like, what did you do? I know you did it. What is it? And I was like, I don't know what you're, what you're talking about. Like, what's going on? She's like, I know something's off. I can feel it in my bones. You, something happened. I was like, no, no, nothing. And, you know, it's like a Tuesday, like nothing happened. And she's like, I, I know you did it. What did you do? And I'm like, nothing. And she called my fiance and she's like, what did he do? I know he did it. She's like, my fiance was like, I don't know what. And I was like, he did it. And then my fiance was like, oh, yes, he did. I don't know what you did, but I know you did it. Oh my God, you're in so much trouble. I don't know why. Did you feel bad about it? Was there like some Jewish guilt no. associated with that? No, there's like, you know, a thousand miles separating us. Oh. So she well, failed at guilting you. So that was like a fail. I don't want to call your mother a failure. She's a sweet woman, but that's if you're trying to guilt your son into something, I mean. Well, I didn't do anything wrong that she knows of. Well, it sounds like she knows and you don't know. Well, until there's evidence, you know, like, I mean, clearly I did something, but she doesn't know what. We'll find out. I didn't think of my mom as a classic Jewish mother until I got older. And now I'm always realizing the things like I've told you that I would never say my mom is a crazy Jewish mom. I get asked that all the time. Oh, is your mom a stereotypical crazy Jewish mom? And I get asked that by non-Jews, which is like, it's fine if another Jew says that to me. But when you say it, it's just a little offensive. And I always say, no, she's definitely a Jewish mom, but I would never say she's crazy. But I'll let everyone else decide. Because you know, when I was moving earlier this year, I was moving apartments and uh, all my old furniture was from my roommates. Wanted to get a lot of new stuff, but of course my brother was getting rid of stuff. So, you know, I just took his. And my mom said, well, don't get anything nice because one day your girlfriend's going to make you get rid of it. I was like, mom, I don't have a girlfriend. And why am I planning my life around somebody who doesn't like around a hypothetical right now? So now 
everyone knows uh, an, an NJG, a nice Jewish girl, an NJB, a nice Jewish boy. Uh, now we have this mythical character that is the NEG, the non-existent girlfriend who uh, I defer to for any important decisions in my life. I feel like with Jewish moms, they're just, they're, they're training you to be a pushover for your future girlfriend or wife. And this whole idea of like the non-existent girlfriend, the NEG is just that, like that, that connector between having the Jewish mom and living at home and then having the Jewish girlfriend or, or wife later in life. It's like, you have to be prepared. It's going to happen any day. Do you think there's a lot to unpack there? I have so many questions, honestly. First off, like, it, is, is Judaism more patriarchal or, or matriarchal? Or is it like a secret matriarchy because the men of the house are in charge, but really the women pull the strings? Like, what? Well, I think it's like in my big fat Greek wedding when the mom's like, he, the dad might be the head of the house, but I'm the neck and I can move him any way I want. Like, I think it's That's kind so of- true. You know, like, I think the Old Testament in the book itself is, like, kind of patriarchal, but, like, Jewish society is, like, matriarchal. Like, I don't know about you, but, like, my mom calls the shots back home. You know, like, if Liz is unhappy, everyone's unhappy. And you're giving away everyone's identities. You're keeping yourself private, but there's enough personal information in this first episode that anyone could figure out who you really are, Carl. So my social security number is seven. Um, but I don't I mean, like, what do you think? I, I feel like it's pretty matriarchal. I think, yeah, I think it's, it's secret matriarchal. Like, I don't think anyone would look at it and say like, oh, like women run like Jewish culture. But honestly, like if, if you watch uh, Fiddler on the Roof, man, it's hilarious because it's like Tevye and what, what? I don't even remember his wife's name, but she's just angry at him all the time. He he'll put his foot down occasionally and he does his little manipulative. I had a bad dream that, uh, you know, Seidel married the wrong person and gets, gets her out of an arranged marriage. But really, I feel like a lot of homes, it's the Jewish mother. There's the guilt. It's, um, Oh, okay. You don't want to call me Well, I'll, I'll just sit here being sad and alone. You poor mother. Yeah. Right. But like even there in like that example with Tavia like having the bad dream, like he still had to convince his wife to agree. Yeah. Like yeah. it wasn't his call. You know? He had to do some thinking. And even though it was a little manipulative of him, he yeah, he had to get her to approve it. Whenever we go out for dinner or like to take out or anything, like it always was my mom's choice. You know? That's funny because always- my mom can't make a decision, but I'm not saying my mom's good at making the decision. I'm saying <laughs> she made. Um, actually, my mom's pretty good at making decisions, but yeah, my, my mom is very indecisive. I'm kind of surprised by that. Well, she can be like when she needs to, she can be stern. She can be strict. You don't want to, you don't want to piss her off. You don't want to be on her bad side, but you know, when it comes to choosing a restaurant for dinner or if we're, if she's ever driving somewhere, should I stay on the highway? Should I get off the highway? Should I stay on the highway? Should I get off the highway? Should I turn left? Should I turn right? Which way should I go? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And she's talking to herself and I'm like, mom, just choose what turn, right, turn, go this way. It's hilarious because it's it, that I think in itself 
is a very Jewish thing. Like, again, if you want to think about Fiddler on the Roof or in my personal life, every single decision I make, I feel like I've gotten less decisive about a lot of things as I've gotten older, you know, in Fiddler on the Roof, Tavia is always like, well, on the one hand and on the other hand and on the other hand and on the fourth hand. And, you know, it's the saying two Jews, eight, eight opinions, right? There's always well, another why, side. This is why we make great lawyers because, you know, we're like, we, we can't make a decision. We just keep thinking about it from every angle and we have to do the research and we're, you know, it's like crippling. Honestly, I've actually, I have been paralyzed by, uh, by reading too much information about something and, and going in circles around it instead of actually going through and making a decision about something. It can be crippling. Well, that's, that's the nice part about having ADHD is like, sometimes I'm just impulsive. Sometimes it's like a superpower, right? Like Kanye says, being bipolar is his superpower. Uh, so I feel like that with ADHD, right? Like, especially when it comes to being creative or something, like just have the weirdest ideas. I, I think um, we should, we, we have a, a, a awkward life situation submission. I think we should dive into. Uh, this was from a few months ago, actually, from way back what? in 2020. Oh, what? And well, and part of this too is like, we're channeling our inner Jewish moms to give advice. Oh, of course. And, and, you know, every Jewish mom tells you the best way to do something or handle a situation and there's no other way to do it. So that's part of what, you know, like we want to be everyone's Jewish mom. Like, yeah. you know, tell us about your crappy situations and we'll tell you how to fix it. We are your fairy Jew mother is here to guide you through life um, based on our experiences and uh, literally nothing else. I would say that the the not the Torah. What's the other the thing? The, Talmud. Talmud. Yeah, that. But really, uh, it's just us. Yeah, it's it's just us being very opinionated and being kind of you know thinking that we know what it what it is, even if we don't. Oh, I'm good at being opinionated. Believe me, you know exactly. They know. Indecisive and opinionated. What a combination. All right. I can't so we, decide what I'm opinionated about. I'll, de I'll defend either side. I, I devil's advocate is my favorite sexual position. I have to say, I love playing devil's advocate. Right. Just yelling. You're wrong. You're wrong. This is. Yeah. It's you make a lot of friends. If you constantly play devil's advocate. Well, that's the other thing that I notice a lot with like friends and family that are Jewish is like, they'll just argue you. Like they don't even believe it or they don't even know why, but they're just like, you're wrong. We just love a good debate. I, I actually sometimes regret that I was not on the speech and debate team in high school. Cause I think I would have loved it. Dude. But it's, I feel like it's, you know, like you're driving. It's like, Oh, it's on the left. And then, you know, your person will just turn right. Well, be that's like, because wrong. you don't know your left from right. No, no, no. I got better at it. Uh, Carl over here, when I used to tell him to make a left turn, would hold his hands out in front of him and make an L with both hands to determine which way he had to turn. The problem is he also can't spell very well, so he would sometimes still turn right because the backwards L he thought was the correct way. We've got this email submission now that comes from friends and, you know, avid listeners of the show. Avid. From our first episode, we've had a fan base. Come we started off very strong. Yeah, it's amazing how we already have 10,000 like regular listeners. Incredible, honestly. Everyone in QAnon. Repeat, repeat, repeat. Yeah. Uh, oh, QAnon's in on us? That's great. 
Yeah, yeah, they're they're our biggest support group, actually. Yeah, well, they, uh, we're gonna find where they they you know they drink the blood of the kids. We'll find this place. Well, look, you're in Georgia. I'm. We're both from Ohio, and they they found a lot of missing kids in both those states. So QAnon, keep right. fighting the good fight. Okay, I mean, we're gonna find those missing kids. And you live in New York now, where like the liberal elites like Hillary Clinton live. So. Yeah, yeah, and where Wayfair has their um, their warehouse where they're harboring children inside dressers. Yeah, but that's a fact. Yeah, I know. If you read anything on Parlor from QAnon or 4chan, like where do you people get your news? CNN. I know OAN. OAN, yeah. Where the the slogan is literally literally these may not be facts, but they're true oh god anyway your your fairy jew mothers have gotten off track here um oh by the way just to introduce you a little bit to who morty is because this is mornings with morty uh carl over here once upon a time we saw the movie ted we were very young you know the movie ted like fuck you thunder with mark Wahlberg. you get suck our cocks i think it's dicks whatever keep talking we'll look it up We'll get it right. Anyway, so we saw the movie and, and Carl really was uh, was fascinated by the scene where Ted is imitating a Boston woman having an orgasm. <laughs> and as as he was sitting there going, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, it somehow morphed into uh, us being bad at, at, at Boston accents and just doing this old uh, jewish new yorker that everyone's familiar with i think it's some it's just inherently inside of every jewish person ever like i use this voice when i'm mocking my mother now when she doesn't even have an accent it's it's a universal thing for jews and for long island italians i mean this this is really it's the accent of our people yeah sing us the song of your people but, you know, you hear any rabbi talk, even if they're from, like, Texas, they sound like this. It's, you know, it, it's just what we're trained to be. It's in our genetics. Yeah. Our genetics. The problem, honestly, is is sometimes, I, I, like, we've done that accent. We, we will end up on the phone for two hours and we'll talk almost exclusively in that accent to the point where, like, I, I will actually do that in normal conversations sometimes. And it's kind of embarrassing. I will like hang up with you and then turn to my fiance and still be using that accent. So let's hear this email submission. Yeah. So 20 minutes later, we're going to get to this submission. Uh, we're going to give some advice. So I had a friend, I uh, lives in Dallas and he said at the USPS store, and you guys remember USPS, the United States postal service, the thing that three months ago in November, everyone was ready to do donate their life savings to help fund so that we could get ballots in time for Joe Biden to finish stealing the election, which we did. We did it, Joe. We stole it. So he said he was at the USPS store in Dallas, probably sending in six ballots, as any good American did. And he he, he uh, said something to I, I'm unclear, actually, if this was the guy working at the store. I think it was a customer. He said something to him. He was the only person out of 15 people to not have a mask on the other customer. And the guy just responds to my friend, fuck you. So 
I, I think I know how I would handle this situation. I want to hear how Carl would handle this situation, but can I just start off by saying um, the fact that my friend felt compelled to say something to the one person not wearing a mask, that feels very pretty Jewish to me, right? It, it does. I have to say, like, you know, there's been a big struggle for masks where I live because it, it is the South. I thought you were about to say for masculinity, which also might be true where you live. I don't know. It is, yeah, yeah, you know, there's a very defined masculinity in Georgia. There's a war on on masculinity right now, right? Um, but like, I am always nervous to say something to someone who's not wearing a mask because like sure. it's confrontation. I'm, I'm nervous sure. about it. it's anxiety provoking. Half the people I see who are even wearing masks, like it's like, hey, can you pick my nose for me? You know? <laughs> like, yeah, because if you didn't know, you don't breathe out of your nose, so it's totally fine to have it uncovered. Right. I walked into Whole Foods today. They actually had a sign that was like, here's the right way to wear your mask with it over uh, the nose. Yeah. And then underneath it, it said, don't do this and had it under the nose. I think that's important. Um, but it is like, it is very Jewish to like butt in and say that yeah. I give you a lot of credit uh, for doing that because it's, you know, like, why? Like, that guy is the one asshole. Like, he's looking around, there's 15 other people with masks on. Even at this point, if you don't believe in masks, which means that you're literally the dumbest fucking person on earth, then like, tell us how you really feel, Carl. Can't you have the human decency to say like, okay, even if I don't believe in what is real science or, or, you know, whatever, everyone else around me is wearing a mask. Maybe I should wear a mask because it would make them feel better. Like how, how much, like, like how hard is it for you to really put on a piece of fabric over your face for, for 15 minutes. I mean, first off, let me just say the only science that I need is in the Bible from our good Lord, Jesus Christ. That's, I don't know about this science you're talking about, but that's, that's a really good point. Don't, you know, don't, don't take, you know, medicine. Yeah, obviously. Don't, if you have uh, cassava root growing in your backyard, cure anything. Uh, ginger root, just eat it raw. You're cured. That's in the Bible. Yeah, in the New Testament, the real Bible. Hashtag winning. Um, <laughs> yeah, hashtag winning. But yeah, I got to say, I. it's tough because you're right. You don't want to start confrontation. I think, I, I think as your fairy Jew mother, the best thing to do in this situation, even though your Jewish mother would definitely say something to the woman, and I want to be clear, there is a distinction between a Jewish mother and a Karen, because like you might like say something, but you're not like being rude about it necessarily. And, you know, a Karen's like all up in your business, like calling the cops on you because you're not white uh, and you don't like mayonnaise on your turkey sandwich. So there there's a there's a pretty big difference between a, a Jewish mother and a Karen. But as your fairy Jew mother, I got to say, I think I would probably, uh, you know, just I would mind my own business. I I. It depends. Sometimes I like a good confrontation when I feel it's warranted, when I feel I'm right, which is always. But I probably wouldn't say something to the to, to the one guy, you know, first off, if there are already 15 people in there, like that's probably more than there should be inside the store. Um, but I would probably just, you know, you silently judge them as you do with every single person you see every day, if you're anything like me, because I am superior to a lot of people, uh, but I think you, you go about your business, you leave and you can be, man, that was so frustrated about this guy not wearing a mask, but like, 
you know, that guy could, I'm going to sound exactly like my mother right now. Every time I, I say something to a stranger, cause I, I definitely have before, and this is why I've learned from this. I'll, I'll like say something. And my mom's like, be, if we're driving in the car and I give somebody the finger, my mom's like, they could have a gun. You can't, you just, what if they're a lunatic? You don't know. They could have a gun. What if they pull out their gun and they shoot you or something? And I'm like, I know we live in America, but this isn't a school ground. Not every person you see is about to commit a shooting. Like, but I, I'm going to sound like my mother, the guy in the USPS store, you'd say, oh, you're an asshole. Like put on your fucking mask. And he could just sucker punch you. Like, is it really worth getting a broken nose over, you know, telling this guy to wear a mask or just, you know, learning to keep your mouth shut? Well, that's the other thing is like, you know, like, I don't want to stereotype, but like, this is Texas. Like, <laughs> but it's Dallas. It's Dallas. That's like the, the New York of Texas. No, nah, that's more Austin, man. Austin's like Portland, I think. That's fair. Still, it's Texas, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't mean to stereotype, but a lot of people in Texas have guns. And a lot of people are very, like, gung-ho, you can't tell me what to do. That's true. But then they're like, don't have abortions so catch 22 there right not to get political um, <laughs> for the record carl is not pro-life not pro-choice but he is in fact pro-abortion he believes in population control sure. he's giving me a look right now um that is asking a lot of folks I know. Actually, that's probably harder than being pro-choice or pro-life. You are giving people way too much credit if you just assume everyone can be a decent and civil person, especially after what we saw in the last 12 months. Uh, (laughs) Pro, just, you know, do whatever you want. Just be a civil human being. So at the beginning of COVID, we had this exam in my program for my doctorate that we had to like... How many times are you going to drop that for my doctorate, for my doctorate, for my doctorate? 50 more times today because my mom's please, so, my, please. Mom's, my Jewish son the doctor who's got the podcast every episode you got to work it <laughs> that is that is gonna be oh have you heard he did I can't say your nickname but Carl oh my my son Carl he's got a podcast yeah, he's got a podcast he's gonna be a doctor but not the you know, not, not not the kind that can be like oh here take these antibiotics but the kind that's like tell me about your mother you're just gonna say everyone has an Oedipus complex yeah you're studying Freudian well, psychology. Well, oh, maybe. I don't know. Actually, it's really only where you live in New York. Perfect. Um, that means that doctors in New York will, if you go in to see a psychologist, if you're not familiar with Freud, they will say you want to have sex with your mother and then they'll prescribe you cocaine. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. He, so so Freud did like cocaine. He believed that it was a cure-all um, for a long time. And then one that ended up happening is like Freud, but you know, like some people just like can do it and never get addicted. So Freud was like doing it every day, never got addicted. But his best friend, who is also a psychologist, was like, woo, like Vegas, let's go. And then had a horrible addiction and uh, like ended up dying. And so Freud was like, okay, maybe I do a little too much cocaine. And so, you know, and then he stopped doing as much cocaine. But he still did a little cocaine. A little cocaine. Yeah, he loved it. It was a good time. He was like, every um, once in a while, I can dabble in the booger sugar. You know, in the season, I'll Wednesday. go skiing. Yeah, he was like, you know, it's Wednesday. It's it's, it's this week's cocaine day. Monday, it's Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> a 
there it goes. We, we, have, we, have, a, we have a theme song that uh, I called you your real name a second ago. I'll, <laughs> I'll blur it out. <laughs> I thought we could make it through a whole episode without a slip up, but oh, Carl, we couldn't do it. We have a theme song that, that Carl sings and it changes every single time he does, which is kind of the beauty of it. But every day is, just remember, every day is Morty Day. It's Monday, it's Tuesday, and Thursday, and Friday, it's Monday, and Saturday, every day is Morty Day. That was a little mm, bit longer Morty. version than I prefer, but Car Carl does not like musicals, yet I find him singing about everything that he's doing. Right, and, and, and so it's, I don't know, my fiance also gets annoyed. She loves musicals. Um, she once took me to a community, community theater I thought I was putting on a good face. It didn't go well, I, you know, um, but she loves musicals. She really does. And I, I, I like that. You know, we listen to Hamilton all the time. I like Hamilton because, but the music, like the show tunies music behind it just kind of drives me crazy. It just gives me a headache, but music's like Hamilton. I really like, I also really like Book of Mormon because I think that's just hilarious. Yeah. Blasphemy is funny. In yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, but yeah, your friend should should be like, yo, fuck you, turn on, put on your mask. No, I thought that's the opposite of what we decided, but okay. Oh, well, <laughs> it'll make a it'll make a wonderful Jewish mother one day. My mom stands there when she sees people without masks or who aren't wearing it over their nose, and she just goes, she like points at her face and just oh, stares God. at them. Oh so God. I think the between a Jewish mom and a Karen is a Karen is like in your business, like calling the cops, like doing all this stuff, like to like be a dick. Where a Jewish mom just comes up to you and is like, change what you're doing. Do it better and walks away. Oh, I was going to say it seems like maybe they're more passive aggressive. But you're saying like, just get in your face, like one and done. They're in like your face, but it's it's you and them. It's personal. It's it's not personal in a bad way, but they're they're like owning it. They're like, I'm here. We're here. We're not queer, but we're Jewish. Get and sometimes we're queer. We're pretty okay with the queers. We just really want, you know, our kids to be lawyers and doctors and accountants. I am none of the above. Yeah, fuck COVID. Wear your damn mask. Yeah, wear your mask. Wear your mask above your nose. Um, and if I see you not wearing a mask, I probably won't say anything because even though I like confrontation, you know what? It's your personal choice and I will just probably not see you. So that's okay. Yeah. I was at CVS a couple of weeks ago getting my dozen prescriptions because like any good Jewish boy, I have a variety of health ailments that are just yeah. little things that I complain about all the time, um, like allergies and asthma and like everything like that. You are know? you allergic to dust? I'm allergic to dust. Oh, yeah. I'm allergic. Name it. I'm allergic to it, except for food. And then I have a problem because I eat too much of it. Um, but I'm at I'm at the pharmacy and like the pharmacy text mask is like covering her chin and just it's not like hugging her face it's just going straight out like parallel with her chin and i'm like standing behind the tiny plexiglass shield that's so small it does nothing but make you feel slightly better and i'm like six feet away and she's like what do you want Achoo! and i'm like I'm here for my prescription. She's like, okay. And then pulls her mask down to talk to me. I'm like, why, why are you pulling it down? You're not even wearing it. And I'm so afraid of confrontation, which it's funny. Cause like, I'm a psychologist. I'm supposed to like push people I'm studying to be a psychologist, 
but I'm standing 12 feet back, like t- on my tippy toes, trying to hand her my ID. And I'm just saying nothing. So I give your friend credit though for, for cause I, I'm too scared to do it. Your friend stood up for doing something right. Yeah. Well, this, this same friend, we were in Panama city beach for spring break sophomore year of college. And he, there, there were some like, I don't know. They looked like meth tweakers or something. They were lunatics. They were all tatted up in this crazy, like souped up, probably Honda civic. Like it was nothing fancy, but it was loud. And they came flying through this parking garage. They almost ran us over and my friend yelled something at them and they looked like they were going to kill us like they were ready to get out of their car and like they they, i think did get out of their car and started walking towards us and they were like fuck did you say to me and i was like i'm gonna be the one who gets hit i'm always the one if my friends say something i'm i'm the tallest one of like my group of friends here uh with the exception of like one guy but whenever i'm with my friends and they're saying something they're talking to somebody they're drunk and like starting issues I somehow make eye contact with the person and the next thing I know it's my problem. So I'm, I'm always just like, let's not do this. Well, I, think, I think that's the other thing is if you're going to be prepared to like, say like, Hey, wear a mask or like, like yell at somebody for driving by you or whatever. Like you got to be prepared for them to be like, fuck you. And like, come at you. Cause like, you're, so are, are you encouraging physical altercations in the, in the sake of defending public health? Yeah, I'm for I'm like pro government forcing masks on people by force. Um, you it's, want it's like a, a military new- team patrolling the streets, like totally. masking people up. And then if you don't wear one, they like they 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 you know lock you up and put you in, in a special place. Um, uh, it's a new political movement. You can find us on www.wearadamnmask.uk. And that was only two W's. It's www.wearamask.uk. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, cool. it's a real website. Are you writing it down? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it. Beautiful website design. There's a picture of Carl wearing a mask. So you still don't know who he is. You, you can't see him. As you fairy Jew mothers, every week, we, we're going to be discussing a, a Torah portion, a, 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 a Pasha. Is that what it's called? Yeah, the weekly Torah portion is called the, you know, the weekly part of the Torah that we read, you know, like a chapter or whatever, you know, it's a chapter book with pictures. All right. So uh, to be clear, we're not proselytizing to you guys. That's not it. That's not in the Jewish nature. In fact, we, if you even try to convert to Judaism, a rabbi will probably turn you down at least three times, depending on how religious they are or are not before they'll even let you like study to become Jewish. So we're not trying to convert anybody. We hate we yeah we're hazing you um ver- via a podcast because that's possible so chug a beer Rush. or something i don't know what what do you so Rush morning morty we, we have shirts oh yeah rush what um but the point yeah. is like we want to kind of discuss it in contemporary terms like do, how does this apply to like the modern world or to pop culture or to like whatever's going on in in our lives and how can it relate to you because like I don't know that much about Judaism and some of it is pretty interesting. And uh, I just think it's, it's fun to discuss and maybe poke a little fun at it because as I stated before, blasphemy is always funny. So Carl, um, do we want to get, get to it? Can we discuss the, 
the the Pasha, the Pasha of the week. We're kind of, you know, we're picking up at an interesting time because, you know, we're jumping in and it's the end of the first book of Bereshit. So, you know, we got our main man, Joseph, established in Egypt. Like Joseph and the amazing technical dream coat, that Joseph? Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that Joseph. I saw that show at like a community theater in Florida when I was really little. I have no idea what it's about. I saw it in Akron. Mazel tov. Shout out to Akron, Ohio. LeBron James. Yeah. Um, So he's been living in Egypt for 17 years, and somehow he lived to the magical age of 147. Incredible. He's on his deathbed and, you know, he's handing out blessings and saying his goodbyes and it's really emotional. And so uh, he got to Egypt when he was 130. Yeah. Yeah. Because so like there's this weird thing that people before the great flood with Noah's Ark lived to like 500 and then somehow like the genetics of those people got passed down and now we just don't have as good of genetics, but they used to live for like a much longer time. Well, they didn't have vaccines back then. That's why. Right. Totally. And I mean, there's there's no science that says life expectancy 100 years ago was like 20 years shorter. So don't worry about that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he, you know, Jacob's in, e- in Egypt. All the kids are in Egypt. Joseph's in Egypt. And then he goes to bless Joseph's two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And he switches his hands. So he was going to put his, his right hand on the older son. He, then he switches the hands because Jacob stole a blessing from his father over his older brother. And he was like, you never know. The younger one could be cooler. Um, <laughs> wow. This really is like, like rush. Like this kid's cooler than the others. Switch, switch the hands. Right. Totally. Yeah. Haze him. Uh, Make he, him drink the Manischewitz. Right. And he, he gives advice to his son his sons and kind of just you know, gathers everyone and it's like this really nice like family thing like where this family was torn apart because of jealousy and and selling a brother into slavery and having to move because of famine and they get together and they're you know they're they're they're, they're tight-knit again and then they talk about when joseph passes away and he's like you got to bring me to israel so when you know like 400 late years later when the jews leave egypt they dig them up and bring them so, Whoa, wait so he died they buried him in egypt yep and it wasn't until 400 years later they just dug him up and, and took him to israel yeah yeah joseph J- jacob when he died in this parsha they took him right away to israel and put him in the cave where rachel joseph's mother's buried that you can go to is that but, Nazareth? Like, is that where Jesus was born? Uh, Nazareth, no. Jesus oh. was born in Nazareth. Um, I just I know the only thing I know about these people in caves is you know Easter, which isn't even Jewish. No, you know, good chocolate on Easter. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, uh, but Joseph also lived to like 110 years old. Naturally. Um, so we got some discussion questions. Yeah. So like, what, what are we, I know there's some discussion questions like here accompanying this, this partial, but like, what are we supposed to learn? Like, what are we supposed to take from this? So this partial, I just, you know, I really take away like 
you know, there's, there's, there's this thing in this part that after Jacob's die dies, Joseph's brothers are really like afraid that Joseph's going to get them back because, you know, well, they like low key sold him into slavery. Um, because he was the favorite and they were kind of mad at him, but then like Joseph comes to his brothers and is like, you know, we're family. Like, I'm just so happy to be with you and have my family here again. And I think a, a really important lesson from this is like, how to work with family when you have differences and stuff. And in today's like political and, and social world, like this, this year has just been so charged. And I feel like a lot of families have uh, had really difficult times dealing with differences because of it. I know in my family, there's some discomfort and we like really stay away from some conversations because of different views um, I don't, you know, I, I don't know about yours, but it's like, you know, like finding that way to come together and be close with your family despite that. Yeah. I think, I think that's, can be a good way to handle it. If you know that something you're not going to agree on it and it's just going to be divisive. I don't think there's anything wrong with avoiding that conversation, like steer it, find, find some commonality. I think you and I even have this, like when you and I are talking about stuff, cause we don't always align hundred percent politically uh too liberal for me yeah i'm i'm the far i'm the most ridiculous radical socialist i think that everything should be free and bernie sanders i want him to be my grandfather um if you know not even for you no no bernie is god he's practically a republican you know if you, if you yeah. know me you um, know you know i love Karl marx the the das kapital Speaking I like Joss Boot, honestly, more than, da I don't, I don't know. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's, it, it is, I know in my family that we have trouble avoiding it because my grandfather uh, relishes bringing it up. Sometimes you like relish? Not, I love pickled relish, yeah. Yeah, like on a hot dog, yeah. Yeah, oh, oh God, or a burger too. So when you and your grandfather are having relish, he does what? Oh, he doesn't eat relish. There's salt in that. He doesn't eat salt. Oh, he doesn't eat salt he doesn't eat red meat he eats tons of carbs he's got his own version of his a diet that he could probably sell um but he's like 85 and he's still operating as a physician so it works hear that ladies eat those carbs right uh keto matzah specifically oh he loves matzah it's a cracker yeah. um but you know like i called him to wish him a happy birthday the other day and you know, I'm trying to stay away from politics because we really disagree. Um, he also is kind of like a nudge. So he'll like sit there and like try to bring it up. Not really poke your, poke your buttons. Right. Like he's trying to push my buttons. He might not always believe everything he says, but he'll say it to like upset me. Yeah. And I always, I try a little to bit of a through. troll. That's kind of funny. And, you know, we're talking and I'm like, you know, my cousin who, who's 18, she just got into this college and I was like, isn't that great? And he was like, no, that's that state didn't vote for Trump. And I was like, oh, <laughs> but it's just nice. You know, like, you know, it's the first one. Things are rolling. It, you know, it's got to feel good once you get into your first one. And he was like, yeah, but, you know, even your state, like, we, you know, you can't you can't go there. I'm like, well, I, I'm here. What do you want me to do? We did, You know, he's like, well, you know, you're going to have those two senators come in and they're going to fix it. We're going to get this back for Trump. And, and I'm just like, OK, I'm at CBS. I'm going to let you go. Yeah, you know, he just doesn't want his, his granddaughter to be indoctrinated like like me, the socialist swine, you know. Uh, right. But I, I do think it, it, it is important to like 
if you if you have a close relationship with that person it always upsets me when i see people who are just like willing to throw away their like their family relationships over political differences and i know like some things are not really political as much as they are just like there is occasionally there's a clear good or and bad or right and wrong in certain situations and like maybe that's not political but the stuff where people are so uh unwilling to to see the other side and i don't care which side it is if you've been close with your grandfather your whole life you're gonna no, i'm not saying you i'm yeah, saying yeah. if a person has had a close relationship with this relative their entire life especially if it's a grandparent like you don't know how many years they've got left and you're gonna just stop talking stop talking to them about politics fine but if you're gonna mm -hmm. cut off all ties with your relative because they grew up in a different time. They, your your views, your beliefs are shaped by your own experiences, your your background, and where and how you grew up. So to just say like, grandpa is a terrible person, grandpa's racist, everything grandpa says is bad. When you've been close with them through everything else your entire life, I don't think that's right. I think it's different if you're already not close with that relative, and you're just like, okay, we're not we're not very close. We don't see them, and I think they're a lunatic fine whatever do that but don't don't go ruining your family relationships over politics or, or some petty stuff like that like everyone's got that cousin they don't talk to because they spend too much time in their basement and and believe in QAnon. like everyone's got that cousin i mean how are you gonna name check our biggest listening group that was rude of you carl hashtag sponsorship time this episode is brought to you by q that cousin is funding the that cousin bought me my microphone okay yeah but that no i mean on merch it's one of those things like you know like joseph in this instant realized like you know his brothers had this hatred for him because of what his father did like his father made joseph very much the favorite and gave him the code and all these extra privileges despite being like this second youngest child and oh like, th that was the technicolor dream coat yeah, yeah, Joseph gave it to him. Oh, I get or it. Jacob now. Gave it to Joseph. Yeah, and yeah. so like Joseph was, you know, maybe they acted too harshly and sold yeah. him into slavery and then faked his death. I don't uh, think that's too extreme. If you wronged me, I would sell you to like Syria or you know. But it's it's almost more like their dad wronged them, you sure. know, by having a favorite. You got to know where to place your anger. Right. And so, you know, at the end of the day, it worked out for Joseph because he ended up in Egypt and basically became like the CEO of Egypt and was like the man. Oh, I didn't and, like uh, Egypt, the company, like the pyramid scheme, some would say. Right. Yeah. I mean, some would say he schemed the pyramids. Uh, <laughs> That's the best kind of scheme. Hashtag Bob the Builder. Yes, we can. Because uh, we yeah. built it, the pyramids. Yeah, that's um, true. Some of these jokes will hit, some of them won't. It's up for you to decide, <laughs> listeners. Um, um, but yeah, like Joseph forgave his brothers and was like, we're family, we have these things. I know at heart you're not evil, but like, yeah. you know, what I did was wrong. And I think a lot of that can happen too. Like, you know, you, you, you love your family, you're close. Like some of their beliefs may not be right, but they can still do a lot of good as a person. And like- Absolutely. Family they, over everything, right? Right. And like ignoring that takes away the power from it. Yeah. That's funny. Like you can be pissed at your family, but at the end of the day, like at, at least I think in most 
nuclear families where you have a strong relationship, like you would do pretty much anything for, for your relatives. Uh, so, so you got to look out for the brothers, for the, the relatives that you're close with. Like don't let dumb things tear you apart. And at the end of the day, politics are dumb because the government's run by lizard people who don't care about us. So we got to care about each other. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, tens of millions of people know about the lizard people. If you don't know so, about the lizard people, you're not, look at Nancy Pelosi's face and Mitch McConnell. Yeah. I, I mean, if you deny the lizard people, then you, and, and you, you, you know, I mean, Mitch McConnell is Jabba the Hutt, who is essentially a lizard. Please feel free to message us if you have other takeaways and feel that we are totally wrong because uh, neither of us are rabbis. We don't pretend that, well, we do pretend. You almost we, became a rabbi. I thought about it, you know, the, you know, you know, it's a pretty sweet gig, actually. If you are a rabbi, they, the synagogue gets you the house. If you have uh, feedback, uh, questions about the Parsha or uh, story submissions, anything you want advice on, uh, you can DM me on Instagram at MHW comedy. You can email me MHW comedy at gmail.com. Again, MHW comedy on Instagram and Twitter mhwcomedy at gmail.com uh send us submissions we'll give you guys advice uh as your fairy jew mothers throughout this journey that is the new year the 2021 and the rest of your lives um and any yeah. anything you took away from the, the parsha yeah carl yeah you can also hit me up at www.wherefuckingmass.uk dot uk don't forget it's uk we, it, it literally was so illegal in the U.S. We had to go to England to make the website. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, I think this is, this was, you know, this was really good. I'm really excited to hear back from you. It's been a pleasure to be able to be not only your favorite Jew mother, but, you know, you're Carl Carlson today. Yeah. Thank you, Carl Carlson, for joining us. Thank you, Morty, for always providing us the opportunity to do a podcast and to just enjoy some rugelach. Um, This has been fun. All right. It's www.wearafuckingmask.uk and mhwcomedy, mhwcomedy at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Also, we'll, be leaving, we'll be leaving hints throughout as to my real identity. I might be Drake and Gwen Stefani as the same person. Hashtag Dr. Afani. Absolutely. If you want to learn more about the wild conspiracy theory we found last year, um, that Drake and Gwen Stefani are the same person named Dr. Afani, just, I don't know, tune in again next week. MHWcomedy at gmail.com, MHWcomedy.